Hi, and welcome to another episode of On the Job with Porak. I'm Brian Marvel, president of Porak. With me, as always, is Porak Vice President Damon Kurtz. Today, we're in Missouri at the headquarters of COPS, Concerns of Police Survivors, a nonprofit organization that helps families and coworkers who have been affected by a fallen officer in the line of duty. COPS has a membership of over 58,000 survivors and growing, which is very sad and unfortunate. Uh, This includes spouses, children, parents, siblings, and significant others. There is no membership fee to join COPS, for the price to pay is already too high. Sitting down with us today is COPS Executive Director, Diane Bernhardt, who is responsible for fulfilling the mission of COPS by providing leadership and overseeing the functions of the organization. Diane, it's a pleasure to have you on our podcast today. So glad to have you in our national office. Yes, and actually we are sitting in the PORAC conference room. We are. And sitting, I know you can't see it, but right behind me is probably our fanciest sign we have in the whole office of, of PORAC that's up on the wall here. It's a, it's very well represented. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, take a picture of that. That thing turned out awesome. Uh, very impressed with uh, the product and I'm glad you guys are displaying it for us. Yeah, we, we love it. We use this conference room every day. So. Just a little bit behind the scenes. Um, when you had the grand opening, I was just the president, newly elected president of PORAC. I was able to come out here for that, and that was a fantastic event. It was really, uh, really impressive. The amount of work that you put into this building and the organization, man, you could just feel it on that opening day. It was incredible. It, it was definitely a day of uh, remembering why we do what we do and, and feeling the support of all the supporters that helped us put this building together. And we were really fortunate to move in in 2018 and we don't have a mortgage and um, our survivors have a home base that they can always come to. And uh, they're always welcome. Every time they come to the door, they'll be met with a friendly face and a tour of the building or time to be spent in our courtyard. Well, it's something this building is... Um... It's a, it's a very good reminder of that ultimate sacrifice that our officers have made. And if ever, anyone ever gets a chance or in this area, I highly recommend coming through here and, you know, looking at, you know, the Garden of Hope and um, just seeing that really brings it home. And anybody that's been doing this for any period of time is pretty familiar with cops and what they do for the families and also the associations. But to be here and see it, it's especially the first time, it's quite moving. I joke and say, you know, makes my allergies kick up a little bit because, you know, inevitably you're going to see somebody that you know and it's going to trigger a memory or whatever. And it's it's nice to see someone, you know, uh, making sure those memories continue. Absolutely. I, and that's, that's literally why I work at the cops office. Um, I retired from law enforcement and lost a very good friend in 2005 in the line of duty. I'm going to say her name here. Her name was Molly Bowden because I say it every time I publicly speak because the, the important piece is that, that she's never forgotten. And um, I walk through these hallways and I see her name on things and it, it just gives you the reason for why you come to work every day. Support those families. Why don't you give us a little bit of background on COPS? When was it founded and you know where's it been? Um, sure. So we were founded in 1984. Our founder, we actually had two founders. Our founder was Susie Sawyer and Trudy Chapman, Chapman Radley. And we were uh, founded out in uh, Prince George County, Maryland, actually. Um, and it started with just uh, 10 uh, police widows that were attending a function 
and uh, they were uh, people noticed that they were very sad when they were there, which is completely understandable. Uh, but Susie gathered um, all these widows together in one room, and they started talking. And uh, what they figured out is that after they talked to each other, they felt a lot better. It's that whole concept of peer support that law enforcement uses. It actually works for the survivors, too. So that was how it was born, and it has just literally grown from there. Um, several years ago, about 20 years ago, it moved to Missouri when Susie um, and her husband, Buzz, uh, retired. They like to fish and golf. And if you want to fish and golf, come to Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri. Um, and so that's why we're here. And uh, it was pretty small when it moved to Missouri. And we literally have just grown uh, since then up until this national headquarters. It's over 15,000 square feet. Can you talk a little bit about some of the programs that COPS has to offer? Um, absolutely. Um, obviously, the, what COPS is probably most known for is National Police Week, when all the survivors from across the country and co-workers come together in D.C. Uh, to honor those officers that have fallen in the past year and to pay their respects. And that's a lot of times when those survivors have that interaction with each other and start to get that peer support. And COPS organizes all the logistics for those survivors and co-workers and hosts a conference for them while they're there. Um, and then we also have our hands-on program, which is another signature um, program that we have. And those are for spouses, parents, coworkers, siblings, um, kids. We just got back from the young adults camp um, that we had here in Missouri, and that's our teens, adult children, extended family, fiance, significant others. You name it, if, you're, if you had a relationship with that officer, we probably have a program for you uh, that you can come to. And uh, you'll, I, I can guarantee that whoever attends that will be glad that they came. And with the programs you have, you offer some training for officers and departments to create wellness programs or to help in the wellness area arena? We absolutely do. We have um, a couple different training opportunities. We do our traumas and law enforcement training, which is a three-day training. Uh, the first day is about emotional survival, making it through your career, you know, hopefully married to the same person with, without a bad habit that you can't kick or um, and hopefully still happy and you can retire happy. So that's day one. And day two is we talk about line of duty death and responding to that and how to support the agency and the families. And then on day three, we talk about the uh, topic that a lot of people don't want to talk about, and that's police suicide and how to potentially prevent that and to support those families uh, when that happens, because um, unfortunately it happens way too often. So I'm really happy that we're actually going to be doing that program in the Sacramento area in 2022. We don't have a date set yet for that, but when we do, we'll be absolutely communicate that with your members and let you know where that's at. And we, Porak, obviously, we want to be a you know, title sponsor on that. We want to commit to that because I think it's such an important aspect that's starting to come to light, the police suicides, but it's something that is not as prevalent as I think it needs to be. And I think either because people are becoming more aware of it, but it seems like there's just this huge uptick in officers taking their lives. Yeah, unfortunately, the numbers aren't, aren't collected uh, uniformly across the country. But what we do know is that it does appear to even be more prevalent than line of duty death. So that's, that's, that's a number that we can affect. Officer wellness is a huge issue, and it's nice that it's becoming more of a focus. It used to be such a stigma um, that if officers were struggling with, you know, critical incidents or whatever they may see on the job, and, you know, typically that was hidden from anybody's eyes that you may be struggling because you want to be seen as weak. And now we realize that that's obviously the wrong way to go about it, and we need to take care of ourselves. If we're not taking care of our well-being, how do we take care of the, the, the communities that we're serving? Um, and that's an important part of this job. Absolutely. I guess that leads me right into the other training thing that we do. And that's a, we do a national conference on wellness and trauma. 
Um, and that's, you know, obviously cops are, our mission is about line of duty death and supporting those families. But as we've done these trainings throughout the country, we've noticed that there has kind of been a gap in there on that wellness um, piece. And so we put together a conference five years ago that has grown to, it's, it's a large conference now, um, but we bring in about 35 different presenters on all kinds of topics around wellness from finance to fitness to sleep, which is a big deal. Officer sleeping is a big deal. Um, to uh, surviving trauma, uh, you name it, there'll be a topic there. We're doing that one this year in, in November in Oklahoma City, uh, November 12th through the 14th, I believe is the dates on that one. I think we're sponsoring that one. Too. I believe that you are. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. No, I appreciate it. you. Uh, you know, the communication with cops has just been fantastic. As long as I'm president and Damon's here at PORAC, we're going to be committed to supporting cops as much as we possibly can out of at PORAC because it's such a valuable institution. It, it truly is. I mean, I, I got to experience it firsthand in uh, 2000, I'm trying to remember what year it was, but uh, we put an officer from Fresno on the wall, uh, John Herring. And, um, you know, when, when he died, the cops organization was there to support not only the family, it was huge what they did for the family, but also for the association. Um, you know, I was the vice president of my association at the time. And just the assistance they gave us to help us through the process, steering us to which way to go and what we needed to do to kind of help with that was huge. Uh, and then again, watching how the, the, the volunteers assisted the family through the whole entire process all the way through police week was something to be, to, to be said and very proud of that. I obviously need to give a shout out here to our chapters that we have. We have 55 across the country, but in California, we have uh, three and they will respond if there's a line of duty death. And it may not be immediate that time, right at the time of death, because the agency at that point is is kind of uh, scrambling to to do what they need to do. But if they um, many times it's very soon, Um, but within those first few weeks, they'll reach out to those families and and start that connection piece uh, with those families to kind of wrap them in their arms and guide them through the process from somebody who's been there before and been through it. So we're pretty proud of those chapters in California. Uh, and, and they're doing a great job and we try to support them the best we can too. And, um, you know, and, and that really comes down to, and, and we'll go, let's, uh, why don't we talk about scholarships? And then I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about the national memorial and what's coming up on there, but, um, the scholarship program, uh, how big is that? And, um, you know, how old is that? Has that been? Yeah. So that's been around a number of years. We're actually going to hit a milestone here in the fall semester where we, where we will have given over $2 million to uh, the children or spouses of fallen officers. So um, literally, if an officer uh, dies in the line of duty, um, their family, each one of their children and their spouse can apply for a scholarship, $1,500 a semester, including the summer semester. Um, to go towards their education. And that goes on top of what uh, public safety officer benefit programs are out there or what state programs are out there. So it's a great benefit uh, for those survivors um, of those fallen officers. CAHP Credit Union is a law enforcement credit union that has been a trusted partner of PORAC for over 30 years. We offer low rate lending products and provide financial education to officers throughout the state. Our team of financial advisors specialize in creating full service financial plans and wealth management solutions, helping officers save, prepare, and transition into retirement. For more information or to speak with an advisor today, visit cahpcu.org and click on the investments tab or call us toll free at 800-542-2247. You know, we talked a little bit about the uptick on the suicides, but obviously we're seeing an uptick in, in line of duty deaths uh, nationally. Um, you know, COVID, unfortunately, we were unable to have the, the national memorial and the state memorial uh, in California. You know, what's this memorial going to look like? Um, we're talking about two years worth of fallen officers plus distant pass. 
you know, can you give us some backstory on that? Yeah, absolutely. So maybe one of the hardest decisions that I was a, a piece of was in 2020 um, when we made that decision to cancel National Police Week in May. First time that's ever happened in the history of National Police Week. But it was necessary because of the of the uh, virus that was taking our officers' lives um, and our, our, our country's um, citizens' lives uh, so quickly. Um, and then in May of 2021, we were faced with the same restrictions. While we felt like we were ready to do it, the restrictions that were still in place were were just too much. Um, so, and without permits, you can't hold a, an event. So we've been fortunate that we've been able to secure the permits for October of this year. Um, so we will be uh, making sure that all those families that would have been honored in May of 2020 and the families that would have been honored in May of 2021 uh, will be all invited in October of this year to D.C., um, obviously, with precautions in place, whatever for whatever is required at the time. Um, but we are going to be honoring 491 police officers and their families in DC in October, um, and uh, are and we're ready. I mean, it's going to be the events are going to be large. Um, they may look a little bit different than they normally do in May, um, but at the same time, those families are going to get the opportunity to visit the memorial wall and see their officer's name on the wall for the first time, which is a really important piece of their grieving process. Uh, so we want to make sure that we can make that happen for them and make sure that they understand that they've got the cops organization and the law enforcement community as a whole uh, to continue to support them um, as they go forward. Is uh, I haven't seen the agenda, but um, and is like the president going to show up, vice president or any commitments yeah, from so, those folks? Yeah. So um, the agenda is one day shorter than the National Police Week is normally. They are planning on doing the candlelight vigil on the National Mall. Um, it's on the 14th instead of the 13th. So everything is backed up for a day, which in our office has made everything confusing, but we're, <laughs> we're making it. Um, so that the vigil will be on the 14th and that everyone will be invited to that. It'll be on the National Mall outside. And then on the 15th, we'll have one day of a survivor's conference. And that's where we'll have um, sessions for all the family members. And then at a separate hotel, we'll have sessions for coworkers of those fallen officers that are designed specifically for law enforcement. Um, and that will happen on the 15th. And then on the 16th, there'll be the memorial service. And that's what you were asking about there. And that's organized by the Fraternal Order of Police. And there has been invitations uh, put out to the president to attend that. There is every year. And um, at this point, I think we're still waiting to see where the where the memorial service is, if it's going to be able to be on the Capitol lawn um, or not. Uh, obviously, this past year has been a bit of, bit of a challenge there. Um, but it will be held on that day. And the president is invited. And there's no confirmation one way or another. And, there, that, and that's very normal right. to not have a confirmation at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So obviously with the the condensing it is the uh the police week, you know, the big the tent city is yeah. is all of that stuff going to be available. Um from what I understand they are still planning on doing a tent city at um National Police Weekend. So obviously that's not a cops event, that's an outside event, but we're hearing that that's going to take place as well. Very nice. Yeah, it seems like um the amount of planning that's required and the um cops participation in all of this and, and trying to bring all of those families. I mean, that's like people don't really understand the the work that is required to put on a memorial of that size and to have your organization, uh, you know, handling and, and working with the fallen families is uh, those people are doing God's work uh, to be able to, to work with the families because it, it's a difficult time, you know, but there is a, I feel like uh, there's a little bit of closure there for them. Um, but also a sense of my takeaway when I went was that here's this huge family. You may not, we not know each other personally, but the fact that all these people came from around the United States and actually internationally, 
uh, see a lot of uh, Canadian folks there. Um, and we just really come together to, to cherish and honor and memorialize uh, those men and women who have made that ultimate sacrifice. And I, I think the families, you know, seeing that I think is important because it really shows the bond that we have when we pin that badge on and become sworn peace officers, um, that we're going to stick together uh, through thick and thin, and we're going to be there. And when I look at cops, I look at you as being the glue that really puts all of that together for those families to keep all of us in touch with them and make sure that they're being taken care of. Because, you know, Damon and I working with PORAC, we have all this legislative stuff. We have our training. We have all this other stuff working with the the police unions. But we want to focus, and I really feel, and Damon probably feels the same way, when you become a police union leader, one of your highest priorities is making sure that you take care of the families of your fallen officers. But sometimes because you don't see them all the time, you know, they're not something you handle all the time. But an organization like COPS, that's what you do 100% of the time. And, and it really supports us being able to do some of our other work. So I really appreciate all of the work that you're doing up here for us. Yeah, it's, it's, it's huge um, for for us as association leaders. I mean, the associations themselves were founded on the idea that we're there as widows and orphans funds, right? That's what we're there. And over the years, it's morphed and we do all a lot of other things all encompassing. But the number one thing we should be doing is taking care of our members and their families. And COPS does such a tremendous job for that. And it's super needed right now with all the negativity surrounding law enforcement in the media. And just, I think the families who are going through the grieving process and they're also getting this negativity from the media and our electeds and the police week is, a, is an opportunity for them to see that you know what turn the tv off there are people that love you love your your fallen officer and are super appreciative of what we do every day and what they did and what they stood for yeah that's one of the biggest struggles that we hear over the past year from the law enforcement survivors is to be honest there's probably no bigger um, supporters of law enforcement than those survivors that have lost an officer in the line of duty their officer gave everything for that profession, for those communities. And to see that law enforcement um, being attacked is really hard on the survivors. They struggle with that. And so any opportunity that survivors can use to give back or to show their support, like our Law Enforcement Appreciation Day in January, that's a huge event in COPS that spreads throughout the country of, of just showing that how much you all are supported and how important you are to law enforcement survivors. It's a, it's a really big deal to them. And National Police Week is is one of those pieces of showing that the law enforcement also remembers them. And uh, it's, it can be hard sometimes as, as, you know, as agency heads change, as the personnel changes in an agency to remember those survivors of the officers that died in the 80s or the 90s or, you know, farther back before the maybe you even started in your profession. Um, but those survivors are still alive. And so through COPS, that's one of the things that we do is we, we, we basically walk the walk. We never forget. And so those survivors will get an anniversary card from us every year on the anniversary of their officer's death. And we reach out to them at least six times a year, no matter how long ago their loss was, to let them know that we haven't forgotten. Um, because that is a survivor's biggest fear is that their officer will be forgotten. And I think PORAC does an excellent job, basically also walking the walk and not forgetting. So I want to let you know how much I appreciate that as well. And I'm not going to get emotional here. I'm trying not to, but it's, it's, it's a really big deal. So thank you so much for that. Uh, and, you know, we're happy to, uh, to do that. And we try to, um, you know, support the families and, and it just, I don't know, it's, it's tough. It's hard to talk about it sometimes, especially, uh, you know, Damon and I both have lost uh, friends and it's just, 
people that have the ability to do what you're doing is just, uh, it's incredible because I found it when I was the president of my association. Um, you know, we do what has to be done, but the, you know, the, the pain, uh, that they're going through when they lose a loved one is just, it's very difficult to watch. And that's why, uh, like the wellness programs, and all of that stuff are so critically important today because we see so much trauma in our profession already. And now, you know, we're having to go through that with our own members and their families. And um, it's just, it's, it's really hard. I, I can't even really put it into words, honestly. It's, it's extremely difficult. So I know, I understand that completely from former law enforcement, lost a friend um, in the line of duty, and we didn't talk about it. We went, I went years without talking about it till I came to work at COPS. But um, one of the things that I would say is that it really does help to talk about it. And while it's painful at first, it actually, there's like a weight that lifts off you once you finally do talk about it. And uh, there's actually a myth out there that that law enforcement officers won't talk about their feelings or won't talk about the traumas that they went through. Um, it's actually a complete myth and a complete lie. The reality is that law enforcement officers will do that if they're in the right setting with the right people, with people that they trust, that they know it's not going to affect their careers, um, and they can get the help that they need. And so that's what we base our coworker programs at COPS on, is putting law enforcement officers with other law enforcement officers. They're not mixed with the survivors at that point. They're with other officers, um, and it's totally confidential. And, uh, and we will not compromise on that because that piece of it is so important. And I can tell you those officers do talk, and they feel better afterwards. I believe it. Obviously, uh, programs that you have, training, the scholarships, they all cost money. Obviously, uh, you know, Porax a, a large donor. What's what's your website? How can people donate? You're a 501c3. Can you tell us a little bit about the nonprofit piece of it? Yeah, absolutely. We are a 501c3, and uh, we're, we're proud that uh, 90 cents of every dollar that's donated to us goes right back to survivors. We keep our administrative costs very, very low. We're very transparent. Put our We put our 990 in our books right out on our website because we want people to see um, what exactly that we do. Um, but yeah, if somebody wants to give money to cops or to, to volunteer to help support us at National Police Week or something like that, they can go to our website of uh, www.concernsofpolicesurvivors.org. Or you can reach out to us on the phone, 573-346-4911. And I can guarantee you'll hear a friendly uh, voice on the other side of that uh, phone line. Yeah, and I saw that uh, Charity Navigator gave you four stars, which is awesome. That's our highest rating. Uh, we just recently went through that process, too, and we're trying to get to our four stars with our charity. And, you know, it's sad that there, unfortunately, are some law enforcement groups out there that are they're scams. I just got to call it what it is, where... You know, it's great to hear that 90 cents out of every dollar raised is going to the survivors and your programs. Some of these programs, it's like 5%. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of them out there that are not legitimate. And I just encourage people to do their homework um, before they donate the money. And um, especially right after a line of duty death, um, one of the things that happens is people will come out of the woodwork to create fundraising sites for that family. Um, and it's, it's, it happens on nearly every line of duty death. And so for that agency or for your organization uh, to create one legitimate place that people can donate, that we know that money is going to go back to those families, that's super important after a line of duty death. And it's because of just what you talked about is there's some people that are not honest. And unfortunately, a lot of that money doesn't make it back to the families. That's so. something that we saw um, and, you know, I, I experienced it, um, with some officers, you know, going through some traumatic events and, um, across the state, 
So at PORAC, we created, it's called a fund a hero program. It's a crowdfunding mechanism, much like the other ones, but it literally, um, other than our administrative costs that we can't get away from, you know, the credit card fees, things like that, everything goes to that, uh, recipient. And so it, we wanted to make sure that there was a place that people knew and trusted to give their money. And we, you know, um, the PORAC name being one of those that our members can use. So that's it's awesome. It's great. Well, I'm going to close it up. I really appreciate, uh, taking the opportunity to speak with us here. In the uh, the Porak conference room at the COPS headquarters in uh, Camdenton. Camdenton, Missouri, Missouri yes. There it is. We, yeah, it's been great having you here, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow at our golf tournament, um, sw swinging some golf clubs with you all and uh, enjoying some fellowship as well. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Thank you all for joining us on this latest episode of On the Job with Porak with Diane Bernhardt, Executive Director of COPS. As always, we'd like to close this podcast by thanking all our PORAC members and our nation's law enforcement. We hope you stay safe and have a great day. PORAC is California's largest law enforcement organization and the largest statewide association in the nation, representing over 77,000 public safety members since 1953. Our monthly podcasts, as well as past episodes, are available on PORAC.org, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, PORAC's YouTube channel, or where popular podcasts are downloaded. Be sure to follow us on all our social media platforms and tag us with your suggestions for future show topics. To learn more about our organization, visit us at PORAC.org. We are Porak.